And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Week 18, we're here. Week 18, this, we're here. This is the best. I, I, last year, we got the Chargers Raiders brouhaha, oh which gosh, was a lot of that. fun, which was a very interesting game. Remember, there was that moment where they we thought they might play for the tie? Yeah. yeah. I still think the Raiders were. I don't remember <laughs> why this was happening, but I think my cable was screwed up. So yeah. I was watching it on my on the first floor and the basement. I was like walking back and forth, like pacing among two floors of my house. And I yeah. remember wa- that general energy applying to the last Justin Herbert drive. And I'm like screaming. It, that was a, a heck of a day and a heck of a week for football. It was. It was. And hopefully we get maybe a couple of those this weekend. You know, just maybe some, some situations. But that's the one that's burned in my brain. We got some. There's always some fun ones. Week 17 and week 18 games. So hopefully we get a couple uh, this weekend too. Just a heads up for the show. We are just going to go through a lot of the scenarios. There are yeah. so many of them. There's some confusion for you know reasons that we've never seen before. So we're just going to talk about what happens if X team wins, what happens if X team loses. We'll talk about these games a little bit. I think that some of the games where it does feel like a playoff game, like Packers-Lions, we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. So we're just going to look at most of the scenarios today, and then obviously we'll have plenty to react to on Sunday night. But let's start with... The most important news of the day, the best news of the day, the updates on DeMar Hamlin from both the Bills and from the doctors treating him at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. They've seen substantial improvement in the last 24 hours. He's beginning to awaken. It appears his neurological condition and function is intact. He can't speak, but he's been communicating through writing. I'm sure a lot of you have seen uh, the interaction that has been kind of retold from a lot of people that he asked who won the game through writing because his breathing tomb is still in. And, and the doctor said, you won. <laughs> and I think yeah. that he did. You know, I did. it the best news possible. I can't really express how great it is to hear that after what the last 72 hours have been like. I can't imagine what they've been like for his family, for his teammates, for everyone who is close to him and cares about him. It's, by all accounts, as the doctor said, going to be a long road back. His future and what that looks like, I'm sure there are obviously still questions about it, but all things considered, some some wonderful, wonderful news to get today when you think about what the last couple of days have looked like. Yeah, like the, the it's a long path forward that takes a lot of steps, but this is one very important step and a great step to hear. I mean, even... The other quote that, you know, it's not only that the lights are on, we know that he's home. Like that is like, it's using that, that saying that makes a lot of sense and making going like, well, that's an important, very important step. And what happened? I mean, just what all the steps that happened after the incident on Monday, it's just like every semblance of news, any signs of positivity are amazing and hearing all this. And it's like, okay, 
the brain function and all that. This is just so wonderful to hear. And that's always what should have been the most important thing is just his health. And I know the outpouring of support has been so great. And, and that's what's been sometimes sports can be really cool uh, in the sense of the everybody coming together in the community and from all walks of life. And that's, I think that's what's been the one positive aspect of this week is that just the discussions around that and everybody caring and showing the outpouring of love from everybody, starting with Zach Taylor on Monday night, leading up to what all the teams have done, what everybody has stepped up and said. So hearing this today, like brought a tear to my eye, legitimately did. I'm, I could be pretty callous with some of these things. And honestly, this brought a true, true tear to my eye when I started seeing all the quotes and, and all the good news that happened today. I just love that now he'll get to see what that expression has looked like over the last yes. couple of days. Yes. Somebody will tell him your toy drive that you started, there's seven million dollars or whatever the number what is. What was the goal? Five thousand dollars originally? Twenty five there's twenty five hundred bucks in there. Yeah. And I'm sure that there will be complications and a lot of yes, paperwork yes. that has to be figured out with all of that. But even that is just a small thing where now the fact that he gets to embark on something close to the life that he was going to live before. And yeah. that's what the doctor said, you know, the best case scenario is he is the person that he was before this happened. And, and that being on the table, uh, when you think about everything else, it's just absolutely remarkable. And I think that echoing what a lot of people have said about this, the people who saved his life on the field that night and all the medical professionals and the way that they reacted, yes. you can't say enough about the heroism in that moment from all of those people, because without them, I don't think the news is as happy as it is today. Fast response from everybody, uh, even his teammates, down to, like you said, all the professionals that were there on that day. I mean, really, everybody, and every step afterwards, the doctors at the hospitals as well afterwards. Um, no, it's an overwhelming experience. And I know it has been for a lot of people. And I just like you think about every step of the way, like hearing that positive news, that's always in the back of your mind. You want to stay optimistic, but then you always have to be realistic about what could possibly happen. So hearing, like you said, that it's still actually feasible that he can just be back to where he was. It's like, it's unbelievable compared to what we were a couple days ago. So no, I, I just commend everybody that helped and everybody that's reached out because it's been a, a lot. It's been an emotional experience, but it's, I think it's just been, it's really cool. The positivity that's come kind of out of this. And hopefully now it's for a good thing, like seeing what's going to happen with Hamlin for the rest of his life. His mom and the people that were there, like, they the get uncle. their son back. Yeah. Um, and just that side of it, that that's what really has stuck with me over the last couple of days is just that what we, all we've learned about him as a person and as yes. a son and a, a friend and a teammate, and he gets to be all those things again. Yep. And that that's, that's the coolest part to me. That That is the part that just makes me, I don't know, it, it it's impossible not to have a reaction when you think about that side of it. The human element. Uh, I, I, I talk about sometimes which is scheme stuff, but just these sports are humans. It, it, these athletes are very, very human. These guys, their dream was to play professional sports. True dream. And they, they're living it. And you never picture what could be a nightmare and what all, what that, the effect that it has on families and everything. Like, man, uh, uh, just even when players get hurt with, with a normal injury, like a, an ACL or something like that, what that can affect the family. Oh, what do we know? Is he in surgery and all that? It's like we forget that sometimes. I forget that sometimes, being a coach sometimes and, and now being an analyst and doing this podcast and writing. Um, but it's it's that's always has to be always considered with this when you're watching these guys. It's humans out there just giving it all, every living their dreams. And, and that's what's so uh, scary and just – what rocks you back into reality sometimes it's like that anything can happen really and you just always have to remember that that even though this is their dreams and everything that 
anything that bad happens, they have to deal with it. And the families have to have the repercussions of that. And they have to live their lives. They don't just get to move on to the next fantasy game. They don't get to move on to next day, fast forward to next August when training camp starts. They have to live this day in, day out. So that's why positive news just makes you just feel so much better about what's going on for what they have to go through. And uh, there's no good way to transition from that to, to the conversations about the playoffs, but yeah. there are still some things to be figured out now as it relates to the AFC playoffs. It seems like the Bills-Bengals game is unlikely to be resumed or finished. The AP reported that earlier today. I'm sure we're recording this around 2.45 Central Time. We'll get some clarity on it from the league at some point, but by all indications, that's the case. It means the Bengals will win the AFC North. Not the most important thing, but these are the things that are going to start coming into focus now, yep. regardless of what happens against the Ravens. The seeding will likely be determined by winning percentage now because that's really the only way to do it if this is declared a no contest and they're not going to finish it. Reporting by Adam Schefter from ESPN a little bit earlier today floated two ideas that kind of sounded like speculation. I don't know exactly how close we are to any of these solutions. But if the if the AFC Championship game is the Chiefs versus the Bills or Bengals, where the outcome of Bills-Bengals could have changed the number one seed, it seems at least possible that the AFC championship game would then be played at a neutral site, right. which I think does make some sense yeah. on a certain level. Another one that he floated out there was that the one seed could choose potentially between having home field advantage throughout the playoffs or a first round buy, and the two seed would get whatever the one seed doesn't end up picking. There's no easy, clean way no. to solve this. I think that's why there's been so much discussion over it over the last couple of days. But those are a couple of the things that have been thrown out. Let's talk about the one seed in the AFC at, and wh how that could potentially be solved. If Bill's Bengals is a no contest, which it seems like it's going to be, the Chiefs mm -hmm. would clinch the one seed in the AFC with a win no matter what happens in the Bills Patriots game. If the Chiefs lose to the Raiders, which the Bills will know by the time that game starts, then they can clinch the one seed with a win. If the Chiefs win, at, the Bills still have something to gain because the two seed in the AFC would still be on the line in that scenario. So if mm -hmm. they were to lose to the Patriots and the Bengals were to win, then the Bengals would be the two seed in the AFC. In that scenario, the number three seed would play the Ravens if they locked into the six seed. The number four seed would play the Chargers as it currently stands if the Bengals won and they were then the two seed. So those are some of the things to keep in mind. And then the number two seed would play the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Steelers, one of those three teams, if we keep it to seven teams. So those are the, that's kind of how it would shake out depending on mm -hmm. some of these outcomes. No matter what, and that's what's kind of fun about the AFC is a lot of juicy matchups. Uh, and no yes. matter what, how it shakes out, which is that's for me as a neutral fan, a neutral observer of this game, it's very for me, I'm just, hey, it'll, it'll wash out and it'll end up being entertaining either way. But I can understand as fans of teams or people on teams, it's you're kind of playing the game of be careful what you wish for with some seeds and also kind of like, do we really want to play this quarterback or this quarterback in that in that first round or even in the divisional round if you're looking ahead? So it's it's messy right now a little bit, but it's very interesting. I think there's just so many, so many interesting matchups, no matter how it's going to shake out with the two through seven. There's really no way to know what having the two no. seed is going to do for a team until we right. figure out what the home field championship game uh, setting, all of that, how it ends up shaking out. The one thing that is pretty cut and dry is that if the Ravens win and the Chargers were to lose, the okay. Ravens would be the five seed and the Chargers would be the six seed. 
among all of these things, that almost feels like the biggest deal to me. Because if you're the five seed, you get to play against the AFC South winner. So if the Chargers win or the Ravens lose, the Chargers get to be the five seed in the AFC. That means they play the Jags or the Titans. The six seed would have to play the Bills or the Bengals. So (laughs) it's a huge difference. As excited as we are about the Jags right now, having to play against that Bills or Bengals team or playing against the Jaguars in the wild card round, that's a huge, huge difference for those two teams. So the Chargers definitely have incentive to win and the Ravens have incentive to try to win that game as well. Yeah, going from frisky Jags to true title contenders in the in the wild card round, not even getting into later rounds. That's that's a big big difference. It doesn't even matter home field or, or home or away or anything like that. That's just a true true difference because like the frisky Jags with Trevor Lawrence, we're excited about that. They're a flawed team. They they are a flawed team compared to when you're looking at the complete very complete Bills team and then also the Chiefs team with. Mahomes and their offense and improving defense, um, which we can dive into a little bit later. But it's also that is that's a big, big difference. The one thing to keep in mind there, the Chargers play it at 425 and the Bengals Ravens game is early. So the Chargers could know that they have the five seed locked up before that game even starts if the Ravens were to lose. So that's just one more thing to keep in mind with those games. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, so let's get to what pretty much is the game of the week to the point that the league decided to put it on Sunday Night Football for everyone to see, which we could talk about some of the repercussions from that as well. Yes. Packers and Lions, the Packers would clinch the seventh seed and the final spot in the NFC playoffs with a win. The Lions would clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Seahawks loss. So the Packers control their destiny here. If they win this game and there isn't another team added to the NFC playoffs, they are in and they are the seventh seed in the NFC. So let's talk through this matchup and just what you see as the keys to it for a Green Bay team with their playoff hopes on the line. Yeah, I'm really curious to watch this Packers defense versus the Lions offense. I think that is that is the more important of the two sides. I, I think the for just real quick, the Packers offense has a nice kind of, 
they can find them some explosive passes uh, against this Lions defense. Um, you know, what, go and play action and run, and they're going to be able to run the ball against them. I think that is going to be the keys to their game, but it's not anything different. The Packers are actually kind of very samey week in, week out yeah. with what they, they run. They also move uh, the ball well the last time do. these two teams played, especially early in the game. We look at the, the final score. They yeah. had the tip ball interception in the, in, inside the five yard line, yep. the throw to Bakhtiari inside the five yard line. Which they had the playbook anymore. <laughs> a, they had a fourth and three early in the second half in Lions yes. territory. They, I think their, their first drive of the second half, last time these two teams played, they had the ball on the plus 43, 45. Aaron Jones had a six-yard loss on first and 10 that turned right. into like a third and 11. It's not like they couldn't move the ball. They just had some really rough moments. So I'm with you in that we, we have evidence that they can move the ball on this Lions defense, yep. and that's before some of the things that have clicked into place for the Packers here over the last couple months. And and the Packers offense too is they how they run the ball and how they use all that motion and just their offense in general is terrible for the Lions defense because their linebacker woes. And also they play a lot of man coverage, a lot of moving parts as far as getting guys set against that kind of motion. The guys have to communicate really well. They have improved, but that's how you get after this Lions defense is attack their linebackers and make them communicate and make them hit the right hole. And and I think that's where Packers have a slight advantage with that. Um, on the flip side, though, I'm very – the Lions offense versus the Packers defense I think is super interesting um, because what the Packers showed last week against the Vikings. And I want to see if that was a Justin Jefferson blip or what they're leaning into now. And that is the three safety looks that they use out of their nickel personnel with Darnell Savage at, as a true nickel player. I originally said it on Sunday. I was like, hey, this is the most they've done it uh, ever since Stokes got injured, Eric Stokes. But they went into dime with that. And I just had – it was really just a blip. And really, this was the first time that Savage was their true nickel and nickel packages. They also did some three high safety looks. So it's just – there's some different looks. I was – I'm very interested with Joe Barry's kind of cooking as we're entering playoff time. So that's why I want to watch this against this Lions offense. Um they their run success rate since their bye. They had a super late bye week, uh, but their run defense has improved. They're bottom five over their first fourteen weeks. They're eighth over the past three. Yes, they played the Dolphins, the Rams, and the Vikings. So take it with a grain of salt and what their run games are. But it's improved, and I think they're there's some looks. They're they're tweaking what they're doing just a little bit. Um, and I think why uh, I also want to bring that up is the Lions run game. Lions run game is about league average, no matter uh, run success rate, anything you kind of look at, uh, but also out of 11 personnel or heavier personnel looks, it's about the same. There's no like real differences, but I do want to see if the Lions run the ball a lot out of 11 personnel with three receivers on the field to make Darnell Savage fit the run and, and test him. Say like, hey, you're a cover guy. You're playing the Vikings. You're matching up with all these guys. Okay, you can do that. Can you fit a guy pulling on you? Can you, you know, knife in there? Like I maybe test yeah, here's that. Here's Penny coming down the track. Yeah, here's Jonah Jackson pulling out towards it. You know, there that's a, that's a little different than uh, you know maybe a zone run with a tight end reaching out to you. So I, I'm I'm curious about that. Um, I also think one way teams have gotten after uh, the Lions' offense, and we've talked about this before, is especially passing the ball has been phenomenal since their bye week. Uh, since they're week six, six by their fifth and passing success rate, <laughs> only the only teams above fifty percent are the Chiefs, Cowboys, Bengals, Bills, and Lions. So it's <laughs> it's a it's a some dudes up there, and then the Lions offense with Jared Goff. So th- that is good against this Packers defense that doesn't give up a lot of explosive passes. They put the top on the defense. 
get week one against Justin Jefferson and the Vikings out of everyone's brain. Since then, they really cap how ex- how many explosive passes you can get against them. Dolphins got them a couple times, but then they locked it down. The Lions are fine with that. They they are fine being very efficient in the passing game. That's how Jared Goff makes his money. And so they match up okay against that. They have to find these explosive runs. I, I think that's where the Packers' leakiness is, and that's where you can get after them. And so I think that's where I'm curious how the Lions are get that get to that because they change up their run looks every week depending on who they go against. I'm curious how much how many pullers they use. I think that's what they'll get into a lot of gap schemes, pin pull stuff, which they can do. So I think that's the key of this whole matchup is that Lions run game against that Packers run defense that is improved, but there's some areas that you can poke at. The Packers have definitely done some shifting schematically since their bye week, since their very yes. late bye week. So since they came back in week 14, they've been playing like 28% cover six, more than yes. a quarter of their snaps. So that's quarter, quarter, half, quarters to one side, cover two to the other side. Mm-hmm. Over the first 13 weeks of the season, it was 7.9%, which is 14th yeah. in the league. Now it's 28%, number one in the NFL. So they've done it almost four times as often. And I wonder Tyreek how much of that... Tyreek and Jefferson. That's yeah, the that's, question. Is that, yes. is that driven by that's the teams what, they're playing against? Or yeah. is that driven by something that they've seen that they want to tweak? And I think we'll find I'm that out curious. this week. I am. And, and that's the thing. I... I think the sum, no matter what, how you shake it, numbers and coverages and everything, they're tweaking it. They have tweaked their defense since their bye week, and Could, I think they needed the to. <laughs> they needed to, they, especially. Well, it's helped. I mean, that's why they're in this position right now. So, um, the other thing too is teams. The Vikings tried to do this. Is teams with just based on the personnel uh, is offenses like to get base personnel and spread it out against this Packers defense, make them match with base defense. Um, and get Preston Smith out there in space. The Vikings tried this three times, and it was honestly Murphy's Law. All three times they did it. Like uh, uh, Justin Jefferson slipped and ended up in an interception. They ran a choice route to Justin Jefferson, and he, uh, Kirk Cousins, for whatever reason, got off of it right away. He's matched up with Preston Smith. I, I would take Justin Jefferson on Preston Smith uh, a 999 times out of 1,000. For whatever reason, Kirk Cousins came off of it. And like the other one, uh, it was kind of like a read route, and Justin Jefferson kind of like bounced, and, Cousin, and Cousins missed the throw. But it was they had three open looks. It was just that they, they just didn't take advantage of that. So the line saying that too is that the Lions actually um, are eighth in success rate out of empty. They will lean into empty a little bit. They did it four times in their first matchup and they had two successful plays out of it, including a touchdown. So I wonder if that maybe those four snaps become maybe 10 snaps and they, they kind of up that a little bit. So that that's another aspect of this game I'm curious to look at. Looking at it really quickly. So the first 13 weeks of the season, the most snaps of cover six that the Packers played in an entire game was against Buffalo in week eight. They did it 11 times. They did it 10 times against the Rams in week 14. So That's, I do think it's an indication of a too. dial being turned rather than just a specific response to a matchup. That's and a great call. We'll see. But it's interesting. They, I wondering, like, how does this stuff happen? Like, why can teams lock in? And th- yeah. sometimes these little tweaks are really important. And the yeah. Packers have consciously made a couple of them. Bi-week splits are some of the coolest things to look at, especially totally. for good good teams, because you see how they adjust to their personnel. That's when they go. The hey, Lions are another great example. The Lions like stopped example. playing tons of man on early downs. Yep. <laughs> they just totally revamped their whole their, their whole defense and even their offense too. How what they're leaning into. It's yeah, it's always cool to see the splits of these teams. Like uh, the Chiefs have come out and started using different stuff too. How they use their personnel. Like it's 
it's fun. It's always fun to see how these teams tweak. The only problem is the Packers did it. Their bye week was so freaking late. that It's like, okay, it's only a three-game sample size. It's not as fun as, usual, as the usual ones. One more thing to keep in mind with this game. If the Seahawks win, this game would not matter for the Lions. No void. So they would just be trying to play a spoiler, which good on the league for just saying, you know what, we're putting on Rodgers. We're putting Rodgers on Sunday Night Football in a must-win game, hell or high water. We don't care. It's, I know. I kind of want. I kind of kind of bums me out a little bit because you kind of want like you don't want that aspect that maybe be hanging over the game. You know what I mean? You kind of well, what want was them, the other? Just, what were the other options have been? Essentially, it was Titans Jags could have been Titans, a Sunday Jags. night game, and they just yep. said we're not doing Josh Dobbs against the Jags on Sunday night football. I guess not. They they could have flopped it. Basically, put Packers Lions Saturday night, and then Jags Titans Sunday night, and then yeah, I know. Then you know. <laughs> NFL has one goal. <laughs> the te- the teams are to win games, but the NFL has one goal, and it's 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 the color of green. <laughs> it's that goal. So Seahawks Rams obviously has an impact on this game. The yeah. Seahawks clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Packers loss to the Lions. The Seahawks will not know what the outcome of that game is when they play theirs. I don't know how much we have to dig into this. I think the Seahawks, the key to the win, the key to winning this game for the Seahawks is be better than the Rams. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't screw this up. Yeah. You're yeah. playing a team that is, has a lost season, has been trending that way for a long time. So just yeah. take care of business and then see what happens the night after. You're, you're playing basically an expansion team. That's, that's, I mean, but seriously, that, I mean, I, I hate to just kind of wave away like that, but that's what it is. <laughs> it's play how you played last week. When you should have beaten the Jets and you kind of control yeah. the game throughout the game. Play that way. Play sound. Don't make a ton of mistakes and take advantage of the times you can take advantage. Similar kind of conversation in my mind with this AFC South winner take all game. The yeah. Jags are playing against Josh Dobbs and a banged up Titans team. It is worth yeah. mentioning, though. Danico Autry and Christian Fulton did yes. not play the last two ti- last time these two teams played when Evan Ingram went crazy and the Jags were just throwing the ball all over the yard. It seems like they might both be on track to play. Jeffrey Simmons was limited earlier this week. He missed the open portion of practice on Thursday, so it seems like he should play, I, I would have to guess. Yeah. So there are some guys on IR on the Titans defense, right? Uh, Elijah Molden, David Long. But yeah. the they're as healthy or seemingly as healthy on that side of the ball as they can be considering who's on injured reserve right now. So that may be one difference with the Titans team we saw the last time these two teams played and the Titans team we might see on Saturday. They're healthier. I think yeah. that's a good way to put it, especially on defense anyways. Yeah, but the the, Autry, the Nico Autry coming back is very important for them. And, and you wish that they, you know, like you mentioned, Evan Ingram running wild on them. That's where David Long comes in, uh, you know, and missing him has been huge because now we talk about him against the run. He is in against the pass, too, and he's just such a communicator for that defense, and that helps him out. Just eyes, eyes, guys crossing linebackers formation or faces, either pre-snap or post-snap. That's how you take advantage of poor linebacker play. It's because they have to under – if you stare straight ahead, like I'm just a normal person. If you're listening to this podcast, you're staring straight ahead. Think of you having a helmet on and think of your peripheral vision. You have to assume a lot. What's going on? So when somebody crosses your face and you don't understand what's going on, you can get caught up or hesitate and big plays can be had against you. So it's very important that that why that happened with Evan Ingram and what's going on with this Titans defense right now. But same thing with the Jags offense. It's like their defense isn't great, but their Jags offense is just no stupid turnovers in the red zone. And that's like that's they're going to move the ball. The Jags offense has done it against basically every team. It's just those high leverage situations don't shoot themselves in the foot. 
So the Titans did not play a good chunk of their starters last week. I think they're resting some guys, but guys are also banged up. I, I want to read this to you. I want to read the, the offensive line starters for the Titans last Thursday. I looked it up before this, so I want to hear it too. Their left side of the offensive line was the same. but So you had Dennis Daly at left tackle. You had Aaron Brewer at left guard. Center was Corey Levin. You know who Corey Levin is? No. Corey has been on the Titans. He, he played his first game for them, played his first snaps in 2018. So he's been on the roster. Did not play in 19 or 20. So, but he, he <laughs> played a little bit last year, played 46 snaps, and then 175 total this year. At right oh, he's guard, a Chattanooga guy. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> at right guard, Jordan Roos, who also has played, played some snaps in 2019 for the Seahawks, one snap, had not played a snap until. This season, after 2019, was their starting right guard last week. LaRaven Car- La- La Clark, whose name I can never say. He's been around. LaRaven La- Clark's been around. I actually know So he, yeah. he started at right tackle for them. And I don't know what was guys being hurt and what was guys being rested because a lot of their offensive line, Nate Davis is on IR. They're starting right guard. Dylan Radden, Dylan Radunes is on IR. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer is hurt. So I have no idea who's going to be playing on the offensive line for the Titans. So it's not just Josh Dobbs playing quarterback for them. It is a lot of other injury concerns on that side of the ball. We have not talked about the Josh Dobbs decision at all. No. I think it's worth discussing for this specific reason. Malik Willis not giving the Titans the best chance to win 16 weeks into the season, in their opinion, I think should call into question how willing they would be to roll with him or lean on him as their quarterback next year. It was probably a small chance anyway, Mm -hmm. but the fact that they were not willing to ride with him in this scenario gives me some questions about what the quarterback position could look like on that team over the next year or so. Yeah. I I think they thought of him as the checking that box of their, you know, quarterback in succession after Tannehill, you know, the plan after, but. Maybe, no, maybe it was it was a swing. It's a, even if you're optimistic about Malik Willis, you had to be realistic. Again, the saying the same phrase I did earlier because he was a project. Uh, even if you were high on him, he's a project. He was a project, project, project. He was making one read offense. A true, I say one read <laughs> as an NFL player, and that's usually post snap and then scrambling. Malik Willis's offense was basically two routes, pick one. And then if not there, scramble around, run around. He was always going to be a project, especially getting into a wordy NFL offense that uses a lot of motion, um, a lot of just sh- formation shifts. Just play calls is, is already one big step. If this were week three and they were like, yeah, we, we like Dobbs maybe more than Willis. Okay, I totally understand that. He's always going to be a project. But now, like you said, we're in week 18. They're like, no, like we're not even we're not even like Vrabel's like we're playing to win. And they're saying that Willis is not their best answer. They'd much rather go to Dobbs. It's very it's interesting. It's it's they're really saying like screw the potential. We 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 don't even want to give that shot because we think it's a, a Nolan Boy kind of thing. So that that is interesting that they're that they're deciding because now it makes it like the Titans in the quarterback market a very open answer now more than I thought maybe six months ago. So just a comparison, Jalen hurts his rookie year when he had a very long way to go with yep. all the aspects of playing the position in the NFL. He did start the last four games of his rookie year, but yep. the Eagles were four and ten or whatever yeah. their record was. They didn't even Might have a chance a to shot. make the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, it's not a one to one comparison, but just a data point to keep and, in mind. 
And Hertz was more considered more polished too than Willis. It's like he was considered a project, but still even a half step, a step above. I guess what I'm trying to say is just the fact that he wasn't ready to do it right now doesn't mean that with another off season and a lot right. more time, they wouldn't be willing to have him as part of their plans. I do think it is a but, mark against that as a possibility. Yeah. But as two guys that talk about 32 teams, it's like, this is our checkpoint and this is where we're at with this checkpoint. And so we have to acknowledge that. This is where we're at in week 18 with this checkpoint, with this quarterback situation. I was just trying to think of a guy who wasn't drafted in the first round, who wasn't yeah, rookie at this point in the this, in this season, got to play. And that Jalen yeah. Jalen Hurts' his rookie year. So that, I think that's one consideration. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is under contract for next year. It's for $35 million, I think, is his cap hit. They could save about half of that against the cap if they moved on from him. They are over the cap right now by about $17 million. If you look at something like over the cap, they can get out of that with a couple moves. Bud Dupree, Robert Woods, some of the veterans that they have. So it's not as if they have to move on from Tannehill in order to feel the team Mm -hmm. next year. There's a chance that they look at Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and the possible alternatives and just say, it's in our best interest to ride with Ryan Tannehill for one more year. And then we figure out what the next stage of it looks after that. This is complicated by the fact that we don't know who their general manager is going to be as they're going to make all of these decisions. So there's just a lot of uncertainty about what this team is going to look like. And I think the decision to not give this opportunity to Willis right now only adds to that uncertainty. I thought actually that sentence was going to add that opportunity to like revamp the roster to John Robinson. But you were saying Willis, but actually kind of tied hand in hand there. But yeah, they... That's yeah. This this Titans team is a choose your adventure this spring, and and honestly, I mean, I think it needs a creative decision maker. And I would say creative, but someone that's willing to turn over every stone because they this, this there might be a whole lot of revamping that might be needed with this team. Uh, you can just look at the young players to build around, and it's just you know not as many as you maybe would think, even when you kind of first glance and you're considering guys being healthy. Um, it, that's what's real, especially on offense. That the offense, the roster is pretty dire i mean you just look at it and just look at who they are the offense has almost blocks. no pieces whatsoever because it, the offensive line is in a really bad spot taylor wants to be 31 he has no guaranteed money left on his deal so if they wanted to move off from him they could but left tackles are hard to find he's been right. hurt all the time so any single one of these considerations nate davis who's been pretty good for them he's hitting free agency this offseason Yep. David Long is hitting free agency this yep. offseason. So even some of the guys that have T.R. Tart, who has been really good for them this season, also hitting free agency. So what they're going to do and what the Titans roster looks like next year, I think, is a huge question. I mean, the guys yep. that we know about, right? Harold Landry will be back next year. Yep. Jeffrey Simmons will be there pro- probably yep. on a huge extension. Yep. Kevin Byard is going to be there. Amani Hooker is on an extension. So you have those building blocks. You have some up front. You have some on the back end, and I think that's the starting point of what the roster looks like. On offense, Who you got? it's Derrick Henry. It's Traylon Burks, theoretically. Theory, and yes. the tight end, whose uh, name yeah, I can never remember, but who I, has been very good for them. Kid from Maryland. Yes, he is. Yes, he, he actually is. He, he's flashing to legitimacy. He's, he's fun. That's what we got. No, that's it. That's so, it. So uh, it, it is absolutely a choose your own adventure uh, on what their offense could ultimately look like and yeah. who even the quarterback is. So something to keep an eye on. And who knows? Maybe this team will be playing in the playoffs because the Jaguars somehow screw this up. 
God, don't even will that exist. Sorry, Titans fans, but it's just come on. <laughs> it's just I mean, you never this, know, man. You never I know. know. It's never one know. game. Vrabel? Anything could happen. And Vrabel gets these guys going every week. That's that's his biggest strength is getting these guys ready to play. So I, oh man. It, but honestly, break, this was a good exercise because just breaking down, looking at uh, at the contracts and seeing who they had under contract twenty twenty three, and just looking at guys under twenty seven on their roster. It's Man, you guys don't have a lot to, to truly. Even the guys build they hit on were three or four years ago in the draft. That Hooker, right. Simmons, AJ Brown Great draft. Call. So yep. it's been a little while. And even like, guys, I mean, but that's the most frustrating. Like McCreary's fun. I like Roger McCreary a lot. They've hit on him. I, yes. I think they've he's been able to come there. in and play for them right away. Yep. That's even guys huge. like Molden, who at yep. the end Molden. of last year it seemed like, oh man, they have a slot corner moving yep. forward. He's a really nice player. He hasn't played all season. It's yep. just it's been a rough year for them. And the fact that they've even stayed afloat is a testament to a lot of the guys in place there and what the coaching staff looks like. But I still think a lot of legitimate questions about Huge what questions. the Titans are going to be. At very so, important spots. <laughs> Danico Autry's thirty three, just looking at it right now. I mean it's, it's an old age. Ben roster. Jones is thirty four. I mean, guys that have been really reliable for them are yep. really getting up there in age. So a lot of things to chew on with Tennessee. All right. Last big question here in the AFC playoff race is going to be who gets the seventh seed. So let's run through this. If the Patriots beat the Bills, the Patriots okay. are in. Okay. Done. The Bills and Patriots play or the Bills and the Patriots and the Bengals and the Ravens play at the same time. So the two seed could still be on the table. I believe the one seed will, well, the Bengals will, the Bills will know about the one seed, but they will not know about the two seed. So they will still have something to play for even after the Chiefs game is over. So just yeah. something to keep in mind with where the Bills stand uh, as it relates to what can be gained from this game. The Patriots also clinch a win if the Dolphins, Steelers, and Titans lose. If the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers lose, <laughs> And the Titans win. The Jags are the seventh seed in the AFC. That's probably my favorite outcome. <laughs> Just because like it's this, the craziest one. I feel like this season deserves that. Uh, I feel like that's exactly how that's 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 how should we cap off this season. <laughs> so, other teams still alive for the seventh seed in more likely scenarios. The Dolphins clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Patriots loss to the Bills. They are okay. eliminated with a loss. And last which seems more and more plausible with every passing moment. The Steelers are in with a Patriots loss to the Bills and a Dolphins loss to the Jets. Okay? Among all these three teams, the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Steelers, the Steelers are the only team that is favored to win this week. Because of course. Because of course. That's... I think the to- Mike Tomlin, uh, I think it was Miles Jack today, came out and said... When they were two and six, he was just expecting everyone to start panicking, mm-hmm. and no one did. It was just kind of a "we'll get better tomorrow," and we're just going to yep. stay the course and see what happens. And I do think there is that sort of vibe in that building and with that franchise with Mike Tomlin there. There is a yep. reason that they are consistently relevant. You still can't account for things like Skylar Thompson playing for the Dolphins in Week 18. You always need those sorts of breaks, no matter how good you are at keeping yep. this thing on the tracks, even if it seems like it's going awry. No, that, that's the culture of the, the Steelers. I mean, yes, it's just been you know under the Roonies overall, but especially under Tomlin, and just look at the, their, their stars and talking about stars and like building blocks. You know, you know Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick. You got like pros, pros. 
you know, so they kind of kept, I know TJ was hurt, but it's like, they just come in every day, get better, win the next game. And how many times have you seen Tomlin with some desolate roster or banged up roster fighting with some of the contenders and beating them and winning outright when they're 10 point dogs and all that kind of thing? He's never had a losing season. He was two and six this year. We're like, oh man, guess that's it. Starting a rookie quarterback. Guess that's it. Yeah, with just that losing season thing, it's over, you know. It was a <laughs> yeah. great run for, for Mike Tomlin Steelers, never having a losing season. Oh. They can do it again. We they had are three favored to win this game. That's unbelievable. We had three tombstones. We had the Steelers, we had the uh, Bucks, and we had the Packers. <laughs> All of them just got shattered uh, afterwards. But no, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, they compete their asses off every game they're in. They fight every game. Their defense keeps them in it. Their offense does enough. It's, it's remarkable how... They're just a professional team. Like, that's the best way I could put it. They're just a very professional football team led by one of the best coaches ever. Like, really. Tomlin is just deserves every credit. He Every ounce of credit he gets, he deserves. So, the big question for me with these games, how hard are the Jets going to play? The Jets yeah. are eliminated. So, the Steelers need the Dolphins to lose, even with Skyler Thompson. So, the Jets at full strength. There's a reason they're favored against the Skyler Thompson-led Dolphins team. Yes. So if the Jets come to play and it is important to them to keep the Dolphins out of the playoffs or to show some pride, whatever factor ends up winning out here, they absolutely can beat this Dolphins team and kind of should beat a Dolphins team with a third string quarterback. And then that opens the door for a Steelers team that if you look at the underlying numbers, those Steelers have been like a top 10 team by offensive DVOA in the second half of the season. I know. And they've been I... one of the they've been like the best team on defense over the second half of the season. It's insane. Yeah, the defense. I mean, look at all their scores of their games. But that they have some really good players. And they got guys stepping up, like Highsmith stepping up, like and him at breaking out. Like they just do it every year. The offense one is kind of crazy to me because, man, <laughs> that offense just it just doesn't seem consistent enough to to last against maybe better better opponents. But if it's DVOA, man, they adjust for that. So, um, but no. But speaking about the Jets and everything, and just pride and the human element is what's the strength of the Jets team? It's their defense. So it's maybe they do want to send off into the season and be like, no, it's what's really locked down in this game. And maybe that you can, you can score on the Dolphins offense or Dolphins defense. You can score on them. Like you can run the ball on them. You can, you can find points. A couple hero throws from Mike White. They got plenty of receiving talent. Um, you never know. Like you just truly, truly don't know. And the Jets defense, if they're playing with some pride, they're going to keep them in this game. Here are the numbers. We did it from the, it was on the show we did with Sandra earlier this week that we ultimately didn't run. On offense, over the first nine weeks of the season, okay. the Steelers were 31st in EPA per dropback. They were 24th in offensive DVOA, weeks okay. one through nine. Weeks 10 through 17, the Steelers are ninth in EPA per dropback on offense. They are 11th in offensive DVOA over the second half of the season. On I, defense, stunned. 26th. In defensive DVOA weeks one through nine, third in weeks 10 through 17. I'm stunned by the offense stat. I really am. I, I The defense, I believe. The offense, what? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm denying it. <laughs> denying it. But hey, that's the Steelers. God, it must be so annoying to be an AFC North fan, like for an, a, another team. I, oh, it's like listen, it's like you with the I Packers. Get it. Yeah, I yeah, understand yeah, that yeah. feeling. Yeah. But at least all the AFC North teams outside of the Browns, if you're a Browns, oh, well, the Browns, there's a whole different conversation going. Well, on. that's yeah. and also them losing and letting the Steelers in. That, yes. that's a tough one. But at least the Bengals and 
the Ravens, Ravens yeah. are going to be in the playoffs. So right. if you're a fan of one of those two teams, it's fine. But if you're a lifelong Browns fan and this like, one year where the Steelers seemed like they were going completely off the track and you're like, oh man, at least the Steelers aren't going to make the playoffs. And then you could lose to the Steelers in the last week of the season and have them get in again in the year where they were supposed to be a train wreck. That is frustrating. Yes. When they're supposed to have a top 10 pick. Well, uh, it's. I, I swear, Mike Tomlin willed it into existence. He's like, no, we're not like, I do, I don't coach rebuilding teams. <laughs> I only coach playoff teams. So you guys better get to my level. That's what it feels like he did to the whole team. He's like, I, I don't, don't do this. I, I know you're saying that as a joke. I think that's exactly what happened. I think that's exactly right. Right. Like, that's kind of what he did. He's like, no, no, we're not blowing this up. We're not like youth movement. No, we're winning games. And sure enough, that's what they did. And uh, I have some no idea what too. the ceiling looks like. No. With, with that plan, but the floor. It has proven again to be very, very high. The Tom one floor. I know it's it's the Tom one line. It's it's better than the Mendoza line. So I don't want to use that. It's way better than that. I'm trying to think of like you know, an air of competence. He's like Spielberg. You always know you're going to get like 80 percent of Rotten Tomatoes out of him. You know, it's not a, that's a, <laughs> a pretty good comparison, actually. That's what I'm going with. Some real, real highs, but then he's always going to be competent. He's the post. This season was the post for for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's always going to be was. watchable even if it's not great that's what it is yeah. a couple good actors in it you know you got meryl streep in there you know yeah this is some- this is hayward uh this is cam hayward as tom hanks there you know it's not his best exactly- but it's still pretty good you got mr show running around you know bob Odenkirk and david cross like <laughs> running around that's making fitzpatrick and tj watt <laughs> we need the playoffs to be here so badly so bad <laughs> i just compared mike tomlin to steven spielberg Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. All right, last thing to dig into here. Let's talk about the NFC. One seed still theoretically up for grabs. The Eagles clinch it with a win. The Giants are locked into the sixth seed. No reason to think this, but based on quotes from this week, he said he'll do what's best for the team. Feels like the Giants are in a spot where maybe we see their starters for a couple series and then not again. What? Talk about younger coaches, man. Like... They're they're realistic about this. There's no tough guy bravado like with all this stuff. So like that being realistic really matters. 
So I think the Eagles are probably going to win this game for multiple reasons. Jalen Hurts is back. He's been practicing. He's going to play. So it does feel like the Eagles are going to get the one seed, which means the Cowboys would be locked into the five seed. So I think that if I'm playing out all the scenarios a thousand times, though, that's the most likely outcome for both of those teams. Yeah. The one thing that is still on the line is the two seed in the NFC, even if we think the Eagles are going to win. So if the Niners lose and the Vikings win, Minnesota is the two seed in the NFC. The Niners win, they have it. Why that matters, you host the divisional round game. That That's hugely important. So you get to, if you're the Niners, that means hosting the Vikings and making them play outside rather than going to the Dome in the divisional round. So that's huge. I mean, it may not mm-hmm. seem like a big deal because you no longer get the buy as the two seed, but I think hosting that second game is really, really important. Oh, yeah. The other consideration that may offset that a little bit, if you get the two seed, based on all the numbers and what they look like right now, you would likely host the Packers if they win. If you get the three seed, you would host the Giants. Yeah. That's so, kind of a difference. <laughs> I still think in the aggregate, even if you would probably rather avoid the Packers in the wild card round, it's still more important to host the divisional round game. Yeah, it is. Absolutely is. <laughs> you never but traveling traveling's already tough enough in the in the NFL, but out traveling in the playoffs, like that that's double. Like it really is. And so but imagine that difference. Preparing for Aaron Rodgers and preparing I mean, the receiving core is actually improved now for the Packers, so I can't make this make the joke that they have the same receiving core. But it's but going against Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones as as well as Daniel Jones has played this year, it's a huge difference as far as quarterbacks you have to prepare against. <laughs> One more thing about the Vikings game and why that game matters. If the Vikings win okay. and the Texans beat the Colts, the Bears would have the number one pick in the draft. That's your Super Bowl. It's that's it. I would like it. It'd be fun. It, it's it's better to have it than to not have it. <laughs> it really is though. It really is though. Uh, well, that that was the year. So for me, as a my version of cheering for the Bears is cheering for the Timberwolves, I guess. But at least you guys have a Super Bowl and a lot more playoff appearances. It so two uh, years before I was born it doesn't really count. So I, I've seen my team play in a Super Bowl. I've seen yeah. them play in an NFC Championship game. Yeah. So man, oh, that's nice. Uh, I have 2010. That championship game blacked out. But the no, with the the oh, I, I they, was blacked out by the end of that game. It was, it was, a, pretty, it was a pretty rough out, rough afternoon with for BJ me. BJ Rogers dancing right in front of you. It was a oh. rough afternoon for me. Oh my god! The, my biggest memory from that game is they you you guys do the. Because uh, I'm no longer part of the Bears fandom, is the uh, fourth phase, you know, where they have the flag yeah. yes. waiver, and they had Vince Vaughn for that game, and the flag was wrapped around the pole, so it wasn't like waving, and you can tell he was lit up, and he's right in front of the fans, just going, "Let's, let's effing go, let's," uh, like spiking everything, like he grabbed a football, spiked it. That's that's my vivid memory of that game is Vince Vaughn trying to get the crowd riled up. Um, I was at the other no- side on Clark Street in Lincoln Park. I remember the Caleb Haney moments, oh. remember the BJ Raji moment, and uh, it went it went south after that. After the game ended, I guess is all I'll say. <laughs> That's all you need to say with it. But it was my oh, senior was year of college, I had nothing to care oh, yeah. about. I was home yeah. for it. It was oh this oh this is my whole point with oh with the Timberwolves uh, is so they lucked in and they won a lottery. They're they're for for years because Wolves were in the lottery every single year. They never moved up in the lottery. It was either they stayed the same or they moved back. Every single year, it was like a st- 
uh, this uh, I know it's Gambar's fallacy, but the stats of that was just ridiculous. But they finally get the number one pick, and as the draft there's really no B. Like, oh, is it Lamelo Bell a ball? Like, who is it? And they drafted Anthony Edwards, and everyone's like, yeah, I guess this is fine. You know, getting the number one pick, he doesn't seem to like basketball. It's been great. So it's been great <laughs> being an Anthony Edwards fan. So I'm just saying, sometimes you look into these picks that you're like, oh, is this who do we want? Are we going to trade it? Sometimes it's it's really nice to have the number one pick. It really is. I know I'm not breaching new ground here. We're but just, just talking saying. about so the Titans really nice. roster and what yeah. the Titans roster looks like. Go take a look at the Chicago Bears roster. Yeah. yeah. You need as many picks as possible over the next couple of years. Players. Just as many picks as possible. So even yes. going from one to two and getting two more third round picks and redoing yeah. your version of the Mitchell Trubisky trade another way, even that is beneficial here based yes. on the state of the Bears roster right now. So I'll take the extra third round pick or the extra second round pick, whatever it ends up looking like. Maybe they can get the, the Chase Claypool pick back. That that, that would be the one. No, but it, that, that's, it's so true. They need bodies. They just need starters. And, and top 100 picks is how you can really, really get that. So anyway, they can, any way, shape, or form, they can get that. Uh, uh, they need to do it. I'll take it. I absolutely will yeah. take it. All right. We're not going to do four screen this week. Just didn't feel like we should. Uh, I really appreciate, just wanted to say, everyone's sending in the emails all year. Really had a good time doing it. I think we will do it again next year. I really yes. had a lot of fun. You guys did a great job with it. Um, we're, just full disclosure, we're year three of this show. It's the first time Nate has been on full time. We've shuffled our staff a little bit. We're always trying to find new ways to yeah. engage with you guys and have you be more a part of the experience that we're trying to have here. And we're going to continue doing that. So that was one of them that I thought was really fun. We enjoyed it a lot. So yeah. we'll, we'll try more of that stuff moving forward. And I think that we will run that back next year. So I sincerely appreciate all of you taking the time and being as funny and as ridiculous as you were with all of them. So thank you very, very much for doing that. And uh, I guess we, just, we got picks and then we're out of here. So let's do it. Boo Jimmy's luck of the week. Ooh, that's a big luck, all right. All right, before we get into our picks for the week, just want to shout out the guys who are at the top of the picks pool for doing such a fantastic job and just kicking the shit out of us this year. Oh, my God, right? Shane Vitash, 56 and 29, heading into the last week of the season. Congrats to him. Chalinx, C-H-E-L-I-N-X, 54 and 30. Heading into week 18 and CP 45, 54 and 31. Those are some damn good mm-hmm. records and some damn good showings by you guys. So congratulations on that. For me, the best news with all of this is that I'm six games over 500, which means yeah. even if I go 0 and 5 this week, I finished over 500. And that's all I've cared about this entire time. So congratulations to me. <laughs> I have to finish three and two to break that. <laughs> so. Sweating it out. <laughs> And there's Let's a pick pool that doesn't matter. Really having to sweat it out. And I spent 30 seconds making these picks this week. Is that's that's hey, I've done better when I've done that than I actually studied. It's got to grip so. and rip it, man. It's the only way grip to do it. it. Exactly. Okay. My five picks this week. I have the Jags yeah. minus six and a half. Jags need to doing this in week 18 is hard because yeah, figuring out motivations and when games are. I mean, it adds a whole other wrinkle to it. Jags have to win. We just talked about the state of, of the Titans and where they're at right now with Josh Dobbs. This is a classic 21-17 Jags victory, and I'm going to regret it immediately. Vrabel's going to get those guys going, but still just think that everything is lined up for the Jags to try to hammer this one home. So I have the Jags minus 6.5. I'm taking the tight or the Texans 
plus two and a half. That's I'm just so manifesting funny. this. I, I'm trying to will it into existence. So that's where this is going to start. In accordance like with that. that, I'm taking the Vikings minus three and a half against the Bears. So go. just making it happen as much as I can. Seattle, I'm taking minus seven and a half against the Rams. They will not know the outcome of the Packers-Lions game, obviously, when they play. I think that they have a lot of incentive to just kind of take care of business against the Rams. And I am going with the Packers minus four and a half because if the Seahawks do win, the Lions may have nothing to play for in that game. So I think that just a lot of reasons that the Packers are so heavily favored to be that last spot in the NFC. So that's what I got. I like all that. I like all that. So... I am also going with the Vikings, not manifestation, but just because of just where they're at. Because <laughs> Nathan Peterman is playing quarterback for the Bears. Yes. And yes, we get the Peterman factor, which is always something to account for. I'm going with the Falcons hosting the Bucks. Uh, I think the Falcons are trying to be feisty. They're trying to build off stuff. Falcons were one of my favorite bets at the beginning of this year. Like it was like, I think maybe once Vegas figured out the Falcons, it ruined my life. So I, I'm going to Falcons hosting the Bucks minus four and a half, going with the Steelers hosting the Browns. Ton to play for at home, you know that. That's why I'm going minus two and a half there. Also going with the Seahawks, same exact thing, hosting the Rams. All these teams that have to play for something, and plus the Falcons. That's kind of how I went about this one. And actually, I'm going to go with the Lions, even if if they don't have something to play for. I think the fight and Dan Campbell's man Campbell's are going to really, you know, get it going. I think they're going to. It's going to be a close game no matter what, even though it's at Lambeau. Um, I think the Lions have means to play on the road and maybe in weather. I have no idea what the weather is that game, but they have means to do so. So those are my five picks to close out the season. Let's see if I can get to 500. <laughs> yeah. All you need to do is go, what, what three and two here? And you'll finish the season at 500. So I think that's yep. uh, I think that's uh, totally doable for you. We're, we're all thinking along the same lines here. So I, what I did here was just lean into a five-leg this is what the football fan inside me wants to see like that. happen to end of the season parlay. So what do I want to see? Well, I want to see the Jags as the AFC South champs. I want to see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert play each other in the first round of the playoffs. So Jags minus six and a half for pick number one. You guys it's maybe don't know too this. Good to be true. I'm worried about right? how amazing it is. <laughs> right. That yeah. we're, we're due for a Titans victory. Just, oh, my God. That would just be. No offense, Titans fans, but that no, was just, I don't. No one, no one, no one as excited about Josh Jobs, Josh Dobson. The the way it'll work out is it'll be Josh Dobbs against uh, Skyler Thompson or, or Skyler Thompson. <laughs> yeah, Skyler Thompson. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no, no, uh, Josh Dobbs. Yeah, Josh Dobbs and Tyler Huntley. That's that's exactly what we'll get. We're all that's what it is. Pumped about Trevor Lawrence and uh, and Justin <laughs> Herbert going against one another. So leg one. Jaguars minus six and a half against the Titans. Uh, all you listening out there might not know this since I am behind the glass and not in front of the mic here, but uh, I too, like Robert, am a Chicago native and a Bears fan, so I really want to see the Bears get the number one overall pick. So that means Texans plus two and a half and Vikings minus three and a half. Bear down, Chicago Bears. The last thing that <laughs> I want to see happen... A- Let's get these. We have lines. a Bears Badgers fan as our producer. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just, just, Let me check t- our I boxes. Could, I could do a whole hour on just the life of a Bears slash Badgers fan because uh, I've got plenty <laughs> of fun stories about that. But that is not what the show's about. Last thing I want to see: <laughs> Lions into the playoffs. So what does that mean? That means the Rams are going to have to pull off an upset. So I'll take the Rams plus seven and a half, and then the Lions plus four and a half to round it out. Let's lean into football fandom in Week 18. I like that. I like that. It's great. All That's right, where you go about it. That is all we have gentlemen so obviously there are saturday games this week we're not going to do anything on saturday we'll have our normal sunday night recap coming your way next week we are going to have a live saturday recap of wildcard saturday and a live sunday recap 
of Wild Card Sunday. We're still figuring out what we're going to do on Monday night, but we will definitely have Saturday and Sunday recaps coming your guys' way live on YouTube. So come hang out. We're going to be doing it. Really excited to do it. It's my favorite stretch of the year. Quick programming note for next week. Sunday night, we'll have the recap as we normally would. Monday, we'll be recording with Sando the same way we normally would, doing the Monday hangover. We'll be talking about the coaching decisions that come out on Monday. Obviously, uh, that's when we hear a lot of that. And some of the firings and what comes next for some of those teams. Uh, we are going to do our all pro shows that we promised you guys early in the week. Those are coming to you next Wednesday instead of this week. So just be on the lookout for those. Those will be extra podcasts that are going to be coming to your guys' way in the middle of next week, uh, plus our normally scheduled programming. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. But uh, for now, that's all we got. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that. We're going to be doing yeah. the Recap shows live on YouTube next week. It's a great time to subscribe if you have not done that already. The link should be in the description of this podcast. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We have almost 2,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts in our first three seasons. I'd love to get there by the Super Bowl. If you like the show, just go leave us a review. Go let us yeah. know. It would personally mean a lot to me if you were to go and do that. So me please too. do that. I love round <laughs> numbers. So if we can get over 2,000, it's just like making me happy. So if you guys could do that, I would really appreciate it. In the meantime, please enjoy your weekend. Please enjoy the Saturday games. We will be back to talk to you on Sunday night. This was The Athletic Football Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.